Welcome to Alien Minute, the podcast that analyzes the film Aliens in short, controlled bursts. My name is Kyle. I'm Brady. And, of course, we don't sound like John or Mitch, do we, Brady? No. I've always wanted to, but, you know. They have yeah, very, dream, they have so. fantastic voices, and they sound smart whenever they say whatever they say about the the alien films. Uh, and we're going to try to live up to that. Of course, uh, right by now, you have noticed that we are not your usual host, uh, because uh, John has unfortunately uh, been rounded up by Paul Reiser and a Marine and sent off on a very special mission. And we're going to be your host for the next couple of weeks. And in case you don't know who we are, uh, we are from Pele Media, or I guess we are Pele Media. Uh, and you might recognize us from uh, previous stint on Aliens Minute and uh, our own shows, which are Ghostbusters Minute, Jurassic Park Minute, and Goonies Minute. We are part of the larger Movies by Minute family, and uh, when John went off on a special mission, he asked if we could cover the show for a couple of weeks, and we said, uh, yeah, uh, Bay 12, please, uh, because we are huge fans of the Alien franchise and the film Aliens in particular, and it is our very distinct honor to be here with you for the next couple of weeks. So we hope we can live up to John and Mitch and uh, the rotating uh, cavalcade of special guests on Alien Minute uh, to the legacy that they have. And uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. So Brady, before we get uh, started here, I just want to ask you real quick, what, what's kind of your history with the Alien franchise? Uh, let's see. Well, okay. So for anybody else who might not know, you are my older brother. So everything that I, you know, every movie that I've kind of come to love and just have so much respect for, uh, I got from, I learned it by watching you. So, uh, Aliens is definitely no exception because that's a movie that has been so close to your heart for as long as, you know, I guess until since you first saw it. Um, Mm -hmm. it's definitely the one that I, the first film that I saw from that series. And so it's the one that kind of stands out to me the most. And it's just, it's such a solid movie. You know, it's such a solid movie that doesn't really fit completely into one genre, like say sci-fi or action or uh, family drama, and I'm. I need to go ahead and put it out there first. I think that the director's cut of Aliens is the superior film. Just my opinion. Yeah. And uh, and in that case, it definitely falls into family drama to a degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, so to answer your question the longest way possible, um, <laughs> yeah, as per usual, uh, my history with Aliens is just kind of it just goes back to really before I can remember, and it's I don't know, man. It's just something that's always been there. It's it's just always been there, and that's. <laughs> about as much answer as I have for you. Yeah, I think that's uh, one of the cool things about... Yeah, I, I would expose you guys to to this kind of movie and Star Wars and stuff like that whenever I had the opportunity. But of course, it'd be like, you know, Friday night, mom and dad are going out on a date and I'm babysitting you guys. It's like, hey, we're going to watch Aliens. And fortunately, it was something everybody was cool with. But I think the... The other movies, uh, movies by minutes, uh, shows that we have covered are kind of the same way too. Ghostbusters, Jurassic Park minute, Goonies minute. Those have been things that you were just kind of like that were always around, right? That you just kind of like grew up in that environment. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, on the other shows that we do, you know, Goonies minute, Ghostbusters minute, uh, those are things I just don't. They've always just sort of been there in, in my mind, mm-hmm. and I don't really have a first memory. And I think that's one of the great things about the movies by minutes format is that it allows you. Uh, to see these things, to see these movies in a way that you never have. And yeah, I don't know. It's so great to have this format around. It's almost like its own little film school, breaking the movie down minute by minute and going over it. And, you know, one of the great things about Alien Minute is that uh, John and Mitch uh, have such kind of a, a history in filmmaking and uh, history in like screenwriting and 
uh, breaking films down and looking at them like that, that, uh, you know, they're, they're one of, I think I love all these shows, but I think theirs in particular an alien minute is really one that analyzes the filmmaking technique. And that's something I really love about the show. So we're going to try to live up to that. Uh, I think our Pele media kind of thing is, uh, we kind of like, uh, you know, kind of go over absurdities and stuff and kind of, uh, pop culture type stuff. So, you know, I hope that's not too much of a departure from what people are used to, but, uh, these are a couple of cool minutes or excuse me, 10 cool minutes that we're going to be talking about for the next couple of weeks. And, uh, John did not mind throwing us directly into the action, did he? No, not at all. Not at all. Whenever I sat down to analyze, you know, the minutes, uh, recently, I was just, okay, this, there's no dialogue here. This just leads from one punch to the next and everything, but it's still, uh, still so much to, to take a look at. And that's just, you know, goes to James Cameron's credit. It's it's for for me. It's just I, I get lost in action. I go see a movie like Batman versus Superman or Man of Steel, and I am yawning the entire time. I cannot bring myself to care about it because all it is is just action. This action that you know. It's it's there's nothing really to follow. And in the case of Aliens and most of Cameron's other work, uh, it is so easy to follow and to be just completely in, engaged with. So yeah, and and Aliens in particular has. A very uh, it's the the action in this movie is is definitely it feeds into the themes of the movie. It's not just stuff getting blown up or shot just for the fact that it's getting blown up or shot. It's it's to to get to a bigger point, and we'll talk about this today and over the next couple of weeks here. That uh, you know the the previous week leading up into this one and what we have going on this week, uh, the action is to show the direness of the situation and the frailty of the Marines. And I think that when people think about the movie Aliens, they think about, you know, all the gun porn, all the military porn, you know, like just how awesome it is, how these Marines are like the ultimate badasses. And they kind of gloss over the fact that they really have their behinds handed to them by the aliens because of their hubris, because they're going into the situation thinking that they're bigger than it, that they can just completely stomp these bugs out, you know, or whatever situation they think they thought they were getting into, that they were just going to completely dominate it. And then that doesn't happen at all. And that's what I think makes the alien films great. Uh, You know, at least alien aliens and alien three, their movies about people being put in extreme dire situations and just having to get out by their wits more than their actual power. You know, alien is a movie, where you know the the greatest weapon that they had on the Nostromo was a flamethrower. You know here they have just a, you know like that scene that's deleted where uh, Hudson is going over you know the like the laser guidance like you know uh, pulse rifle system that they have on the APC and everything and you know none of that stuff really helps because they're fighting an enemy that is you know waging war in a completely different way and I think that's what makes this film makes this film great. When I hear a lot of people talk about how. You know, this is the greatest film of the franchise. Like, I love this movie so much. I think that Alien is still probably the superior film, uh, but uh, Aliens definitely. I, I think I think people get lost up and get lost in what actually makes this film great, which is the dire situation that these guys who thought they were so prepared for, you know, getting into just completely turning upside down and then being lost in it. And without that, I don't think that this movie works. And yeah. uh, you know, this this minute right here is is fantastic because it's it shows the retreat of the Marines. And I guess we I should probably mention today we're going to be going over the minute that starts off with uh, Ripley driving the APC in to evacuate the Marines and ends with Drake getting his face doused in acid. And uh, in this scene, we, we have a couple of, of, of things we, uh, that I never really thought about until I watched this minute. This is the last scene that we see the smart guns that Vasquez and Drake That's use. True. You know, these yeah. amazing, like, you know, tracking system guns that they have. Uh, you know, this is where we see them, you know, retreat 
to the APC and barely make it out alive. Not everybody even makes it out alive. So this is a scene that I think kind of encapsulates what I think makes this movie great. Which yeah, is, it's, uh, you know, one, one of the great icons of this movie is the smart guns. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, they're, they're no match for an alien that has really nothing except it's you know, its own intelligence and its own hands that it can use. Um, there, you know, you always hear about the, the Vietnam analogy with this film. Right. And I think that it's no more, no better display than in this sequence. Not, not this minute per se, but this entire action sequence where uh, we are going up against something we don't fully understand. And that is to our detriment. Um, you know, I guess to promote my own show here, Jurassic Park Minute, one of the things that is so great about that movie is uh, the constant you know, just, just the information that you're given, the idea that you're given throughout the movie is that you do not have any idea about what you think you are such an expert on. And you're going to go in there, you know, figuratively completely naked and just have your ass handed to you. Uh, and this, both of those movies, both of these movies are just such great examples of that. Um, and, and two totally different ways. Absolutely. And just and to get back to the Vietnam thing, too, there is a shot in this which happens pretty early where Drake and Vasquez are kind of taking up the back, like laying down a suppressive fire for everybody. And it looks like they don't even know what they're shooting at. They're just shooting into the darkness. And our father was in Vietnam. He was a military police officer in Vietnam and was involved in a couple of firefights with the Viet Cong. And one thing he would always tell us is that you never know who you're shooting at. I'm sure a lot of veterans out there could probably say that. When you get into a firefight, a lot of the time, you're just shooting in where you think, the direction of where you think the enemy is. It's most of the time laying down a suppressive fire. You know, and in Vietnam, it was a lot of laying down suppressive fire into foliage, into a jungle. Uh, And I think that you kind of get that here with Vasquez and Drake. They're just shooting off into the darkness. They don't really know what they're shooting at, but they know that the bad guy's in that direction, so they're going to lay down fire in that way. And I don't know if Cameron was really thinking about that when he blocked out this scene, but that stuck out to me while I was watching it. But, um... Brady, you want to go ahead and get into uh, into actually what's going on in this minute? Let's do it. Okay, so I love the first shot of this minute because we get the APC kind of rolling down through the smoke, and it looks so 1980s. It looks like something out of, like, Knight Rider or The Wraith. You know, you get the, those kind of, like, low-laying headlights on the front of it coming through that. So as soon as we started watching this, it reminded me of something that I usually forget when I'm watching aliens is that this movie was released in the late 80s you know that is because it it doesn't it doesn't feel like a film in the late 80s it felt like something that they went into like the late 90s or the early 2000s and they pulled this movie out and then they like distributed it in 1987 and that's one of the things that i've always admired about it is that none of the tech in the movie uh or none of the i don't know scenes where you're kind of around things that any other sci-fi movie would have made to try and look high tech for the day none of it's dated or very, yeah. very, very little of it, if anything. Uh, maybe maybe Drake's hat, you know, the baseball cap that he's wearing at the beginning with all the uh, things hanging off of the bill of the hat is a little, eh, you know, might have looked cool back in the day. But other than that, I can't see anything that makes this film feel all that dated. To, yeah, it's like to they end. took the, the, the tech that was in 1987 and they said, like, what if we just built on this for the rest of time? You know, like, it, it, there was nobody in here was was thinking about the iPhone or, like, a tablet in the future. They took... What was there in like VHS technology and just thought it out to if this is where it peaks, like where do we go from here, you know? <laughs> and there was a video game released a couple of years ago called uh, Aliens Colonial Marines uh, by Gearbox Software. And it was, I think, in a lot of ways, the worst parts of, of Aliens in the fact that it just... Uh, it took the idea of the Marines being such badasses and you were kind of like just killing aliens like left and right with like no problem. And it was like, that's not really what makes these movies cool. But one thing they really did stick with is that kind of like late 80s tech 
you know, like pulled out. Like there's scenes in that where you go and you find that Waylon Yutani has been experimenting on people and they've been shooting uh, like, you know, people with chest bursters and kind of the life cycle of the alien through VHS cameras. And you see like way into the future, but they still have like the VHS technology there and like, you know, uh, CRT monitors and stuff like that. So they definitely kind of stuck to the spirit of that. But yeah, this movie, it's it it did it, 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 the um, uh, prop design on it is just I don't know that it's ever been surpassed by by much of anything. Maybe Tron Legacy. I don't know. But uh, it's it's just kind of, it looks so amazing. It looked amazing in the late 80s, and it still looks amazing right now. It's, it's kind of felt like it uh, is outside of time, you know. Um, but, uh, yeah, so we get that really cool shot of the ABC, APC. We have Vasquez and Drake kind of, like, backing up into the APC after Ripley, like, smashes it through the wall. And, you know, at this moment, we do kind of see, like, and I'm sure it happened like in the previous week and it was discussed, but we do that kind of get what makes Ellen Ripley such a great character. And it has been said by other people, not by me, but this is the movie where Ripley kind of turns into a character. You know, in Alien, she had a few character traits, but this is the movie where we really get to know who Ripley is. And I think she's kind of defined in the one of the moments where they go into the, uh, you know, the alien hive and she's the one to think, uh, you know, this is like a you know nuclear processing plant. You can't go in there and just shoot these guns like that. And then she's also the one who takes command of the APC when Gorman is just kind of having his freak out moment and doesn't yeah, know what you, to do. You really do in that moment where she does become somebody that we can, yeah, I guess, more of a character like you're saying is in the APC. It's in these moments yeah. where she's telling the uh, completely incompetent guy who should be the sort of male lead, I guess, in the situation, and that's Gorman. You know. Just to go off on a tangent here, I think one of the things I really enjoy about all of the Alien films is that they have um, a male lead, or if he's not the lead actor in the movie, he's someone who should be leading in the situation, and he's always completely in over his head, completely incompetent. You've got Dallas, who to a degree didn't really know how to handle the situation. You've got Gorman here. You've got... Okay, well, Alien 3 might not be a great example, but you could say it's all the guys in that movie just are in over their heads. And mm-hmm. uh, all the way up until uh, Alien Covenant with the Billy Crudup character. And I think they were really kind of overly driving it home there. But uh, yeah. that's definitely something that echoes throughout these films. Yeah, and it, it, it kind of flipped the genre on its head at that time. Mm-hmm. The sci-fi horror film was usually you kind of had a gung-ho like male lead that would go in and take care of the situation. And Alien was one where they said, you know what, let's just let's kind of subvert audience expectations on here and let's have the the fe- the heroine the, the the lead female in the story become the, the leader of it and i you know that i don't know if i'm sure whenever they made alien their their idea wasn't to you know make ripley like this you know outstanding like hero of cinema but it kind of did it in this way that was feminist and not feminist at the same time because it was a very strong female character but she was a strong female character on her principles it wasn't like she just walks into every situation just completely like owns it and blows everything up she's a principled character that sticks to what she believes in and you know she's the one telling everybody we shouldn't be doing this we shouldn't be going down to this planet you know the only reason i'm going in is to confront my fear and get over that directly and she confronts her fear and gets over it by being the person who takes lead of the situation when the the you know the the male leader is just kind of like oh i don't know what to do and she's like well i know what to do i'm the one who should be in charge i'm just i'm taking over here and you know she ends up saving all the marines for it so um we do get uh you know it's funny because i think most of the one-liners in this movie up until this point were done by uh, frost you know and of course uh you know played by rico ross and he is unfortunately gone now from the film uh so kind of the the one-liners get split up amongst everybody else for the rest of the movie and we kind of get a a line i don't know how 
how it became famous, but it's one that you hear in a lot of movies. It's uh, uh, Hicks yelling, we are leaving, you know, to yeah. uh, to the Marines there. Which is referenced I think that was actually, what's that? Uh, it's referenced in Prometheus. You hear in the background, one of the characters shout it, the same line in the same way. That's exactly what I was about to say. That was really kind of cool. I remember hearing that in Prometheus and going like, ah, okay, that's not that. Yeah. Hey, everybody, did y'all get it? And everyone around you in the theater is looking at you like, just shut up, man. Just go away. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, okay. Yeah. Not a good idea to turn around in the theater and like make sure that everybody's on the same page. It's like, hey, I got that. I got that reference, everyone. I'm (laughs) laughing louder than you because I got that reference. I I was that guy at some point. So, you know. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, so we get everybody running back into the APC. And, you know controversial statement hot take you ready for it well, let's do it this is the best of the soundtrack right here in this okay minute. that is exactly what i was going to be uh going back to no it's just so i'm clear on it whenever you say soundtrack are we talking about the sound effects editing or are we talking about the the score of the movie excuse me yeah the score that's i usually okay. want to say soundtrack i mean score but there is definitely a distinction thank you for bringing that up james horner's work i think is no better than it is at this one minute right here where the uh, you know, they're trying to actually I think there's a moment where uh, Drake is having to take off his smart gun because it has run out of ammo. And, you know, the score is just fantastic right there. And this score for this film, I think, redesigned, redefined, however, uh, is probably a better way to put it, how action scores were, you know, Absolutely. for the rest of time. Yeah. I, I think that it's it's so iconic. And I think, you know, the Bishop's Countdown uh, moment from the very end of the film is one that was used in every action trailer throughout the entire 1990s. And it, you know, for good reason, it's amazing. But I do think that this APC retreat uh, moment is actually better for what's going on in the scene. Uh, yeah. But I have to ask you, were, were you a John Williams guy or a James Horner guy? Oh, no way to compare them, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I think that's one of the great things about those two guys being such prominent composers in film scores around, uh, you know, well, for so long. Um, uh, you know, Horner has a way, uh, I don't want to call it a problem necessarily, but because all of these scores fit the movies that they're in, but he's got a way of rescoring himself. Uh, and yeah. you, mm-hmm. you can't call him out on that without calling out Hans Zimmer, you know, who's constantly yeah. doing it. And I don't think that's altogether a terrible thing because, um, the music in the, the, the I think you hear some echoes of some of the stuff from, uh, Batman Begins or the Dark Knight in prior Hans Zimmer scores. And it fits, yeah. it works, it needs to be that. Um, oh, like Pirates have, of the Caribbean is completely in Gladiator. Gladiator, you know? yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it doesn't matter. It's awesome in both. It's I, great, I, yeah. I can't imagine different music in either of those films uh, as, as their themes. You know, I do, I do have a note here that's saying that old school James Cameron, maybe everything pre-True Lies, uh, is, usually has a few key elements that are making what you're seeing so incredibly involved. And that is their... Uh, you know, editing, their practical effects, their performances. But in this case, I think 75% of what's making this moment what it is, is James Horner's music. You know, yeah. without mm-hmm. a doubt, it's the thing that I'm taking in the most. Without it, the scene might not really play that well. Are you okay? <laughs> Let me backtrack there. It would play, it would play well. It'd be incredible. <laughs> but what's making it, you know, the, the real backbone of the moment is his music and how yeah. just, and yeah, man. Damn, it it's it's it, you know? it's an it's an amazing score, and that's one thing that I think all these films, all the Alien films, have have done fantastic jobs on. Each one has a different take on its score, and each score is iconic and amazing. The score for Alien Three is so great. James uh, Gold, or, uh, Goldsmith's score, uh, yeah, Elliot, Elliot Elliot Goldenthal. Elliot, Elliot, the thank you. music in Alien Three is absolutely incredible. You know, and it's yeah. a shame that uh, the music from the first film went through, I don't know, such a drama. 
as it did. And a lot of the tracks that he composed for it weren't used. There were things from his other movies. There were pieces of classical mm-hmm. music. It doesn't matter, man. You know, the, yeah. the, the music that's there, it's, it's, it's the best music for the moment. And yeah. that's all that should really matter. I'm a big fan of Terrence Malick, and I think his use of different pieces of music from different sources is what comprises so much of the film. Uh, it's just, yeah. It's, I mean, it, I don't think there should be too many like regulations on film score. And, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and I think what you, what, what you mean by that is when it comes time for Academy Awards, it, so much of the score has to be made up of original music and not pre-used stuff, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, to a degree. Yeah. Um, I, I also want to say real quick that I thought the score for Covenant was one of the best things about the film. I thought the music in that was fantastic. And I think the score from Prometheus really tried to stand out and do something different for that film. The, the, the song life from that movie is probably my favorite piece of music from any alien film, but uh, they're all different and they all really fit, fit the me, uh, fit the need, excuse me. I'm stumbling over my words today, man, (laughs) fit fit the need of what's going on in the film. And, uh, I think there's no better moment uh, than maybe this minute right here. So, um, but yeah, moving on, we have that alien that just kind of like pops up out of the scenery and attacks Drake. And that happens a few times in this movie. And I think it's used really well every time you know like earlier on we have that shot of i can't remember which marine it is and it's kind of this low angle shot with this column of just like the hive around her and then all of a sudden it starts to become alive and we see the xenomorph reach down and grab her and then pull her up and we kind of have a a flip on that right here where we see a bunch of like it looks like pipes or uh you know just kind of like stuff sticking out and it's actually just an alien waiting in ambush uh to grab drake when he's using his flamethrower there and uh yeah yeah, we we get it's it's interesting Let, let me cut you off um it's interesting to see that the the beast is hiding there and is eventually going to be using its its own body as camouflage, assuming that's what it's actually thinking about doing. And that's something that's so effective uh, in the alien sequence in Disney, the uh, the great movie ride you could find at Disney's Hollywood Studios Park. Mage you could find. It's closed now. I'm sorry. I have to, uh, I have to yeah. mention that. Yeah. Hey. So... Yeah, uh, a cool moment of uh, of camouflage and it jumping out there, and then we, uh, you know, the uh, Vasquez wanting to save Drake shoots it, blows it apart, and we get that. Uh, it's kind of been covered, I think, on a lot of the uh, special effects behind the scenes stuff where we have that. Uh, you, do, do you know how they did this? How the alien gets blown apart? Uh, go ahead. I do, but so basically, the listeners who might yeah, not. They, they so they 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 kind of took a mannequin of it and uh, attached it to a bunch of different. Uh, I think they had maybe some small explosions that go off inside of it, and then they had like some tethers to it and uh, shot it, kind of just being pulled apart by all this stuff. And we get like this alien just completely being decimated and blown apart by Vasquez, and you're like, oh great, she saved Drake, and then you realize like, oh no, that's right, they're packed with acid blood, and Drake just gets completely doused in it, and. Because of Vasquez doing that, she saved him and killed him at the same time. There's no way out for Drake. That alien was going to kill him, or Vasquez was going to blow it to pieces, and the acid was going to cover him. But hell of uh, a defense mechanism. D- yeah, absolutely perfect organism, if you will. Um, do you know the, the the backstory of Vasquez and Drake and like their kind of friendship? Uh, not really, but it's something that always has kind of thrown me off at the end. I, can can we go into spoilers here about a minute that's coming way later? Y- yeah, Actually, you know sure, what? I, yeah. I don't I don't want to go near it because those are minutes for somebody else. But I always thought. Um, there would be some poetic justice if Vasquez was to go out with uh, Drake, and I don't mean date; I mean to actually die off uh, instead yeah. of with Gorman. But it's almost a little too on the nose for that to happen, you, you know, because Drake and Vasquez clearly have some kind of friendship, some kind of strong connection. Uh, yeah. But yeah, yeah, going to your point. 
Well, so, you know, one of the cool things that James Cameron did with this movie is he kind of isolated the characters that were going to be playing Marines from everybody else and had them go through like a boot camp together to get in shape. And, uh, you know, Jeanette Goldstein got in amazing shape for this role. Uh, but, you know, her and Drake got together and they kind of were talking about like, you know, what's what's the future? Why are these guys uh, characters who stick together with each other? And the backstory they came up with is that in the future, uh, you don't really join the Marines. Well, I guess some people do, but you if you're a criminal... Uh, you get the uh, option of getting out of prison if you join the Marines. So Drake and Vasquez were like gang members who got arrested and then were given the option of you can stay in jail or you can join the Colonial Marines Academy and get out of this. So the reason that they have such a tight friendship is they came up together through gangs, uh, through being criminals, and then they are, you know, together in the Marines. So that's why they have kind of like such a close connection to each other. Now, all of that is just backstory the actors filled in themselves. Uh, you know, the, it, James Cameron did give the actors in this film um, a surprising amount of uh, ad-lib ability, which is where we get that, like, uh, that Octurian uh, line that came earlier and all that stuff was just kind of them like ad libbing there on the set and, you know, making a lot of stuff up. And I think some of that might've been in a shooting script, but then they kind of like ran with it, you know, Um, but it's, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I I think it's, it's really cool that he was able to do that. Yeah. Uh, It's so surprising to me that somebody as almost tyrannical as James Cameron, uh, which, Hey, you know, it's almost necessary when you want to get, get results um, is, is willing to give, the creatives so much freedom and say, I want you to yeah. adorn your, you know, uh, you know, your battle gear. Yeah. Battle gear and whatever the hell comes to mind, whatever kind of decoration that you want or sayings or whatever. Uh, and to say, okay, I'm going to put you through the boot camp experience so that you can develop and use that creatively to your character's advantage, however you deem fit. Um, so I don't know. It's yeah. man, Cameron, he's, he loves what he does. He really cares about what he does, you know, and it shows everywhere, especially in Aliens. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And I I think that it definitely shows that, you know, those two actors were able to to build on that, that they came up with together, and uh, it works really well. So Um, that's about all I have for this minute. You got anything else? Uh, Oh, you know Yeah. Uh, Yes, Kyle, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I, I can hear you now. Can you hear me? Okay, yeah. Um, okay. One of the things I love so much about uh, the action sequences where there's gunfire, uh, they were really enhanced with the use of strobe lights from the, you know, just off camera. Uh, yeah. And it's it kind of gives this movie um, a signature look. You know, outside of the sound effects for the weapons, outside of the look of the weapons, there's something about the, f- the flash of the gunfire. And a lot of that was added through just the simple use of strobe lights right off set. So, but no, other than that, that is all I have for uh, minute number 66. That's very, very cool and uh, uh, astute observation there, Brady. So, yeah, that's all I have for Minute 66 as well. Folks, please come back again tomorrow. Brady and I are going to be here uh, for quite a while, quite a while. John's got some sort of very special secret mission he's going to be off on. So, uh, you know, again, we thank him so much for letting us come to do this. We're going to be your host here for the next couple of weeks. Please join us again tomorrow for Tuesday for Minute number 67. Uh, And, uh, Brady, where can people find more about Pele Media on the Internet? Well, as you said at the beginning of the show, we have a few other Movies by Minute shows out there. One of them is, uh, all of them are actually done at the moment. Um, 
Ghostbusters Minute, uh, what else was there, Jurassic Park Minute, and Goonies Minute, and we're actually currently producing, neither of us are hosts on it, uh, but we're currently producing a sports podcast called Undrafted. Outside of that, people can find our Patreon episodes or subscription episodes at patreon.com slash Media, where we go over all different number of uh, pop culture types, uh, pop culture subjects, uh, including a lot about um, the Alien franchise, actually. So people should definitely go check it out if they're films uh, fans of this film franchise or any other number of uh, interesting pop culture topics. Yeah, very cool. All right, folks, thank you so much. Please join us again tomorrow for minute number 67. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And until next time, mahalo.